Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Bookshop Podcast. I'm Mandy Jackson Beverly. Join me as I speak with authors and other guests who specialize in subjects dear to my heart, the humanities and our environment. To help the show reach more people, please consider sharing with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. You're listening to episode 127. Anne Binney is the Associate Director of Events for the nation's largest literary event, the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books. With over 550 participants, including an exciting lineup of authors, artists, chefs, celebrities and musicians, and a diverse group of exhibitors, this year's Festival of Books promises to be a literary smorgasbord. Hi Anne, and welcome to the show. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Can you share the history of the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books and the founders, Nardis Aquino and Lisa Clary Real, and how you became involved with the festival? Yeah, well, the festival was founded in 1996. And I actually uh, went to that first festival. I was a sales rep for for Putnam. So um, we had a booth there. It was very, very exciting to have this new and wonderful big uh, literary event in in our city. And it was on the campus of uh, UCLA. And I know Narda and and Lisa, Lisa Clary Real. And I, I do know them because I've worked, you know, with them over the past um, several years since I've been involved in the festival. But I wasn't, I wasn't there actually, obviously, when they had the idea and started planning this in 1995 and 96. And I know that just from stories that, you know, they really like invented this out of whole cloth. I mean, they came up with the idea. They worked with with all of the people that were at the paper at the time, you know, and, and put this festival in place. And uh, it was the newspaper's gift to the community of Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, and they were involved for quite a few years after that. But I got involved. And as I said, I went to that first festival and I went to all the, mostly all the subsequent ones as well, both as a sales rep, I was a publicist at Knopf and I went when I was a publicist and then I started um, working at the festival way back in uh, 2006, I believe, as a, as a contractor, as a programming contractor. And uh, so that was my first uh, year being involved in actually producing the festival and lining up the talent. And I've been involved in it ever since in, you know, in mostly in this capacity. I've read some history about the first festival and it sounds like it became much bigger than anybody ever thought it would be, which is wonderful. I can only imagine what that first day was like. It was very exciting. You know, I remember scrambling the night before, literally scrambling the night before to make sure that the, that our Putnam booth was all, that all the books were there, that we were all ready to go. We had no idea. It rained, which it, it never, like knock on wood, <laughs> it has hardly ever rained at the festival. It rained the night before. So it was like a cold and blustery morning, the morning of, and it it turned out to be an incredibly beautiful day and so many people showed up and it was, yeah, it was really a great start. And that great start has continued through the years. 11 years ago, the festival underwent a location change. 
why the shift from the UCLA campus to USC? I can't speak specifically to that because while I was working on the festival um, in the programming capacity, like I wasn't really involved in the in the decision as to why it was moved over from UCLA to USC. And um, as a, as a graduate of UCLA, I loved having it be on my on my college campus. It's a beautiful you know it's a beautiful campus and. And we spent, you know, we spent 15 years there and, they, and those were 15 great years. But yeah, it was um, moved over to USC. And I think that USC has been an, a tremendous partner. The location of USC in the city is more central and easier to access by public transit, which was, you know, was definitely been, been a good uh, a good thing for us in being able to pull people from all over the city and have that be a place that they can get to by train or by bus, or, you know, it's just generally a easy space to get to and centrally located. They have been a, a tremendous partner just in terms of programming. They have two stages, actually two stages this year. They've always had the USC stage where we feature lots of um, student performers so there's all kinds of music and great performances and dance and things on the USC stage. And then they've always, uh, they have a, a room that is programmed throughout the weekend that features all of the, all of the amazing talent that as at USC professors and a really wide range of topics that they talk about over the week, uh, over the weekend. So, you know, it's a really great partnership. Actually, I wanted to also say that in addition to that student talent that that appears on the on the USC stage, the band is there um, every year, the Georgia Marching Band, which is really exciting to be able to to see that band and hear that band up up close and personal right there in uh, in the middle of campus. So yeah, I mean, I would say that they've you know been a really wonderful partner for the last eleven years. Yeah, and you're right. It is an easy location now because we have the train system in LA. But I must say, I do love the UCLA campus. Yeah, yeah, it's really lovely. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're excited this year because after two years as a virtual event, the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books is back in person. Are there any additions to the schedule you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, it's obviously it's a much different event being back in person than than virtual and and the virtual events that we did in October of 2020 and then just last April were really wonderful events and I loved producing them and we had some amazing conversations which are it's so nice that you can actually you know you can go back and listen to them and watch them again because they exist on tape. But you can't replace the experience of being in person and the excitement of being on campus and going to these events and to listen to people live. We've really replicated what we have done in the, in the last several years pre-COVID in that it's as big and as uh, expansive on the USC campus as it's ever been. So we've got like 14 indoor rooms where we're holding conversations throughout and interviews throughout the both days. And then we have eight stages. So um, I mentioned we have a couple of the USC stages, but then we have our 
YA stage and children's stage and the LA Times main stage where we feature all sorts of celebrities and things like that. So it's it's very much gone back to the scope and scale of what we did in 2019, which was the last physical festival. And for anybody with children contemplating whether or not they'll go to the Festival of Books, I think the highlight of the festival are the children's events. I get giddy when I think about how gorgeous it is to see kids wanting to talk to their favorite authors or wanting to see performers. With this in mind, are there any specific events you'd like to recommend for parents planning their festival schedule? Oh, we have so many great children's authors and performers on that stage. We have uh, Mina Harris, who's going to be in conversation with one of uh, our LA Times journalists, and she's going to be presenting Ambitious Girl, which is a book that she came out with uh, last year. So we're excited to have Mina. Um, we have Ziggy Marley, the, the musician, and his wife, Orly, and they've done a lot of children's books. They've been at the Festival of Books before, and we're delighted to have them back on the children's stage, and they're going to be presenting their book, Little John Crow. We're excited to have Nicholas G. Smith, who's the illustrator of the 1619 Project. We're super excited to have him involved, and I know that he's going to do a presentation on the computer, like on a, so that we can watch him actually do his work on a, on a screen. You know, I think that'll be really nice for kids to see that especially for high school kids. It is inspiring for students and teachers when they get to see other creatives performing their craft. Because for high school students and for middle school students, it introduces them to professions in the creative industry, perhaps something they've not thought about doing before. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you about that. So yeah. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the festival has an excellent lineup of authors, journalists, and members of the literary world are most of the panels and interviews ticketed events? The indoor panels are ticketed events because we have to control how many people go into these rooms because there's limited capacities. And so we do that through ticketing. You can reserve an advanced ticket, which we've got advanced tickets on sale right now. Like you can buy a, a friend of the festival package that gives you access to indoor panels and you, you can reserve those those panels right now and then we go on sale like in quotes because there's a, a service fee to reserve the tickets but it's a small fee and those tickets um just the, the general admission tickets for for the indoor panel sessions go on sale on the 17th on easter sunday um so traditionally we do that a week in advance of the event and we do a nice section in the newspaper that comes out in print and you can page through and see all the authors that are coming. And so, yes, so they are ticketed. You can reserve in advance or you can, can get a ticket on site on the morning of at 10 a.m. when the festival opens and go and, and get tickets for the different events that you want to see indoors. And you can just go up and wait in line. I mean, there, we have a standby line and you can, you know, if you decide on the fly that you want to go see something, then you can head over to that venue and wait in line. And then they will, you know, usually they're able to let in some people from that standby line. In terms of the outdoor events, those are all free, open, just walk up, plop down in a, in a chair or on the grass and you, you can drift in and out. So those are all not ticketed. 
Yeah, and I do remember being in the standby line at one of the festivals, and I did get in. I mean, I think there was one I didn't get into, but I was grateful. I got into a couple, so that was good. And you said earlier that you were a publicist and you've been in the publishing industry. I've no doubt the festival is overwhelmed by PR and marketing specialists, publishers and authors wanting to participate in the festival. How are authors chosen for your panels and other programs? Well, what we do is we usually start in the fall of the year before. So for instance, we'll start probably in in October and November, we'll start planning for the 2023 event. We first send out a call for submissions. We have a huge list of publicists and um, and and authors directly too that we've that we've worked with over the years. So we send out a a call for submissions, and it's a it's a form where publicists will um, enter the different authors that they'd like to pitch for the for the festival. We really focus on people that have new or relatively new books. Basically, we'll look at books that are published after this festival that's coming up at the, uh, in a couple of weeks. I can't believe it's just a couple of weeks away. But we'll look at uh, books that are published after that and then up into just prior to the festival in, in 2023. So we want you know that whole breadth of, of, of books that are being published. And then what we do is we start having programming meetings and we'll, we'll start meeting with our editorial partners. So the, the people from the books and entertainment team and we'll start having regular programming sessions where we'll look through the submissions uh, that we have gotten from from publishers, but we'll also just look even just more broadly about what's coming out, what we want to cover, what topics are particularly of interest to us broadly, but uh, the Los Angeles community. So we really will start doing that in the fall. And then just get increasingly more regular in our meetings and, and, you know, up into uh, right before the festival. And I'd like to encourage listeners to go to the events.latimes.com website, click on the participants, and you will see photos of over 550 participants for this year's Festival of Books. You might not know the names, but click on a few and read their stories. For example, I clicked on April Henry and she had this wonderful story about how at 12 years old, she had written this story about a giant frog and she sent it to Roald Dahl. He liked it so much, he showed it to his editor who published it in an international children's magazine. That's just one of many stories of the wonderful participants that you have at the festival this year. And another wonderful author, Mary Laura Philpott, whom I just interviewed, uh, she'll be talking about her new book, Bomb Shelter, which is a fantastic book. And Mary Laura is a sweetheart, such a knowledgeable writer. Uh, another writer you have, T.J. Clune. Oh my goodness, he wrote The House in the Cerulean Sea. Fabulous author. And I'm hoping to hear him speak. I think he will be wonderful. And another facet of the Festival of Books I'd like to mention, you have quite a few authors from small and medium presses or imprints, and I love this about the festival. I think it's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but we think that's important too. So yes, we definitely work with smaller presses, and it's important local presses too, to the you know local presses in the Los Angeles communities. So yeah, we absolutely like to do a wide range of authors and introduce the audience to new authors. 
you know, so that's definitely a priority. And what would you say to those wanting to attend indoor events but are concerned about health protocols regarding COVID? Well, as you know, and you're here in California, things have changed. <laughs> um, and I think things have opened up and, and obviously there's still COVID out there. So what we're, you know, we're following the county guidelines, the state guidelines, but for the indoor events, we are asking people to mask up. It's on our ticketing pages, in our communications, in our marketing, that if you're attending an indoor event, we are encouraging, strongly encouraging people to wear their masks. And we'll have signage out, outside the venues to that effect as well. So we have one event, which I didn't mention before, actually, which is Janelle Monet, who's going to be in conversation with one of our journalists, Erica D. Smith. And that's an actual paid ticket event. It's called the Memory Librarian, and it's coming out on April 19th. And for that particular event, we are requiring a vaccine check and uh, masks indoors, obviously, as I said before, with all the indoor venues. But that one in particular, we're going to have a vaccine check. And that's been, again, in all of our communications since we put that ticket on sale. And why is that event different from others? We have a property called the Ideas Exchange, which is a, it's an event series that actually started at the festival, um, I think about six years ago, we did our first Ideas Exchange um, with Malcolm Gladwell at the festival. And that was a, that was a ticketed event, a paid ticket event. And um, we've done them every year since then. We'll have usually one or two events that kind of fit into that, uh, into that event series. They're part of the festival, obviously, but they're kind of a one-off event within the festival. And this year, that main featured event is Chanel Monet. Okay, Anne, I'm going to test your memory. Do you have a few favorite moments from the festival over the years? That moment where you think, oh, I am going to remember this forever. Yeah, there's so many, so many. Um, I think like one one memory that stands out indelibly imprinted on my mind is is Betty White at the festival. I think it was in 2012. Should I should know exactly, but I think it was 2012. And we worked for months on that event and, and getting her to come to the festival. And she was on the LA Times main stage, so the big outdoor stage. And because I was so involved in the whole uh I'm working with her publisher to set the whole thing up. I actually got to leave my little hole in the green room where I spend most of my time at the festival and go out with Betty. And we took her. It was so crowded and it was a warm day as it often is. We put her on a golf cart. It was like partying the sea. We had to have someone walk in front of us on a golf cart, walk in front of us in moving people out of the way uh, to get her to the stage. And we had, gosh, I mean, I, we had like 1800 people there. It was just a massive outpouring and, uh, love for Betty White, which just was so amazing. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, we've had just incredible events over the years. We had a huge event with John Green. Again, I was quite involved in, in, in getting him to, to come to the festival that year. And, and I stood by him as much as I could during that event, but he signed for like five hours. And I remember again, getting on the golf cart with him when it was finally over. And he just was like, Phew, 
never again, like never again am I going to do that. Same thing happened with Dave Eggers at, at UCLA, actually, when, uh, you know, it was hours and hours and hours of, of, you know, fans and photos. And those are the kind of things that really stick out. And I think fondly on and love having those memories. Yeah, and what great memories. When I think of the Festival of Books, I see children with happy faces, children with face makeup on or books in their hands. And those images bring joy to my heart because we are creating early readers and that's magical. Right, right. You know, I I have two kids and my kids are in college now, but I too have wonderful memories of, of bringing them there as little kids and sitting at the, you know, at the children's stage and listening to music and, and listening to readings. And they loved it. It was all so exciting for them. It's a very special time. Yes. Because I've worked here for so long, as my kid kids got older, it was, you know, every year, <laughs> what are you doing on this weekend? Well, you're going to the Festival of Books. And so they, you know, they graduated from the children's stage to the YA stage, which is a great venue where we have so many wonderful um, young adult authors that are on that stage, but there's also lots of uh, young adults inside in the indoor venues. But, you know, then they moved on to the the more adult-focused stuff. So it's been great, yeah. Okay, now the Bookshop Podcast is a proud promoter of independent bookshops globally. Which indie bookshops are represented at this year's festival? Oh, that's so great. We love our indie bookstores. We've had people that have stores that have been involved since since that very first festival in 19, uh, 1996. And we're thrilled to, you know, have them back and, and have them participate every year. So important for us to have them as partners. So we've got Romans and Book Soup, Skylight, Pages, Small World Books in Venice is one of those stores that was there from the very start. And uh, Mary at Small World sells the poetry stage. So we've got 43 poets over the weekend and she's selling all of their books. Once Upon a Time in Montrose, the great children's store, uh, has been a longtime partner, USC um, bookstore. So of course, USC being right there on campus. And I'm going to mention a couple who are part of the festival this year and who have been on the Bookshop podcast, Fabulous Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego. Mysterious Galaxy, of course. Yeah, yes. And for all those romance lovers, the Ripped Bodice will be there. Exactly, yeah. And are there any events you would recommend that attendees get a ticket prior to the festival? Yes, gosh. Well, I know I mentioned Janelle Monet. Amor Tolls is going to be at a big indoor conversation. Uh, he'll be in conversation with Pat Morrison, who's a journalist here at the newspaper. And I mean, when I talk to people about what's coming up at the festival inevitably people are really excited about seeing Amor. He's never been to the festival before and he'll be there. So I definitely look at that. I mean, we've got Jonathan Franzen in a conversation with Hector Tobar, Joy Williams, who's a book prize finalist this year, will be uh, with Jonathan Lethem in a conversation with Boris Kochka, our books editor, David Duchovny and John Scalzi. People are really excited about that one. And Amanda Gorman, right? Amanda Gorman, yes. Now, Amanda, absolutely. And Amanda's on an outdoor stage, and we can get hundreds of people. She's on the main stage. So, uh, you know, you can walk up and plop down on, you know, down on the grass and, and listen to Amanda. 
she'll be in conversation with Natalie Graham, who's the Orange County Poet Laureate. Um, and that's in our, that's a, a book club event. So it's another kind of little mini event within the festival. So it's the Los Angeles Times Book Club presenting Amanda. I'm sure you'll have a crowd there, but you also have Adam Schiff speaking, correct? Adam Schiff. Absolutely. Adam Schiff um, on Saturday in uh, Bovard Auditorium. That'll be, uh, we're thrilled to have him. He's also a Book Prize finalist this year. And I'd also like to encourage writers, new writers to attend some of the panels specifically to do with publishing. For example, you have Dara Hyde, literary agent, publishing attorney Jonathan Kirsch. Are there others in the industry you might like to mention? Yeah, like Dara is going to be on a publishing, like we, we always do a publishing panel. And so it's like a publishing A to Z. We have Johnny Temple from Akashic is going to be on that panel. Elizabeth Garriga, who's a publicist, we would kind of want to show the different aspects of publishing. We also have a great panel with David Ulin, who uh, is the former books editor here at the paper and does all things literary in Los Angeles and teaches at USC. He's going to be in conversation with with Roxane Gay, uh, David Troyer, and Lisa Lucas in a, in a conversation about publishing and diversity in publishing and how things are, are changing and how they're making that effort to, to make those changes. Yeah, so there's lots for writers to see. Okay, Anne, with the festival just a couple of weeks away, I'm sure you are suffering from a lack of sleep. What are you currently reading? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I know that is, am I, I'm not sleeping at this point. So I, I would say I'm, I'm not currently reading because all I'm doing is working to get to this festival in two weeks, but I am going to read post-festival Amor Tulsa's Lincoln Highway. That's on my list. And I know, uh, you know, I'm excited for that. And I wish you and the team who are putting together the Festival of Books and everybody at the LA Times working hard to make sure everything is taken care of. I wish you all the best. Have a great festival. And Anne, thank you for being on the Bookshop Podcast. Thank you so much. And well, and I hope to see you there. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mandy Jackson Beverly. And check out my website at mandyjacksonbeverly.com. And if you'd like to contribute to the coffee fund, go to thebookshoppodcast.brassprout.com, click on the little orange heart in the right-hand corner of the page, and you can donate using PayPal. Your contributions support the production and editing costs of the show. For information regarding sponsoring an episode, email thebookshoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Theme music provided by Brian Beverly.